HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Brandon Boy, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border, coast to coast, and all the ships at sea. Streaming live from the County of Kings, Brooklyn, New York City, on the Heritage Radio Network. Are you ready for the fastest half hour on the internet today? It's the Mike and Judy Show. Spanning the globe for high-minded hijinks and low-brow kicks to bring you the best in sex, drugs, rock and roll, and nuclear fission. They're too bad for radio and too good-looking for television. And now, here they are. America's last best hope to make the internet safe for absolutely no one. Two people who will do pretty much anything for a pizza. Your hosts, Mike Edison and Judy McGuire. I, I feel like we need to revise that now that we have <laughs> toppings. We'll do anything for a pizza with toppings. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was our big raise. We used to be paid in two pizzas, and then I negotiated for toppings. Hardcore. Top. McGuire is hardcore. Yes. So I yes. think you went for the Jesus Christ today. We went for the Jesus Christ and a margarita. We have three people eating pizzas. So. I think so the you Jesus get any Christ toppings you want, so you pick more cheese. Huh? I well, love I, cheese. Well, I think it's because Judy's so excited about the new Pope, so she went with the Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm totally excited <laughs> about the Pope. Pins and needles. Who will it be? <laughs> I was going to say, is there a new one? No, there's no. not a new one. We're still waiting. Have to wait till the, the smoke changes color. Right. So, so we it's, can, it's like a fucking yes concert in the will Vatican. It be, will it be pink for little boys or blue <laughs> for little girls or blue for little boys? I wish there would be a gay pope. There, there has been gay popes, okay? The uh, gay... Uh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Off the well, church. We'll go into that on St. Patrick's Day next week. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. McGuire on St. Patrick's Day. This is going to be Today's show is all about drinking, too. So I know. Well, next week we have our the, our Russian friend, Michael Malice, talking about his King, Kim Jong-il autobiography. But today. You know, they say yeah. Jews don't drink. <laughs> but here are a couple that do. Mm, that's true. <laughs> it's a myth. We've got two Micks here, yeah. me and Mickey Finn, piano right. player extraordinaire, and Rosie Schapp. And a couple of uh, dipsomaniac kikes. Well, I would not say that. <laughs> I, well, I, I know, but I did. <laughs> Rosie is the author of Drinking with Men. 
something I know a little bit about, and the um, the Times drink columnist, and you were also a fortune teller. I love the stories of you reading um, tarot on the um, LIRR. It was one way to get a drink when I was underage. <laughs> that well, worked out okay until it went horribly wrong. Before we go any further, though, I do want to kind of set the vibe here at Mike and Judy's Holiday Cocktail Lounge. I've uh, <laughs> asked our, I've asked our oh, friend Mickey Finn. Oh. I've asked our friend Mickey Finn to join us today. Thanks, Mickey. Mickey's currently playing with the left bank, so you know he's pretty good. He's great. He's, all, that, all, all that. When it comes to lilting cocktail music, I mean, who better than the left bank? Oh, this is great. <laughs> so, J- Rosie, I'm loving your book. Thank yeah, you so I, much. I'm enjoying Mike. your book I, so much. I'm I, so glad you are. I love drinking in bars. As do I. <laughs> and I think Judy does, too. I do. And you know what? Drinking in a really nice pizzeria is not so bad either on a Sunday afternoon. A snack is always welcome. A snack is always welcome. <laughs> One of the most exciting bar experiences I had was with my friend Dan. There used to be... Well, there's still a bar in Williamsburg called The Abbey, which is sure. kind of a dump. But it used to be more gay than it is now. Mm-hmm. It was a very mixed bar, which you don't find too often, right. sadly. Right, right. And Dan and I wandered in there on Super Bowl Sunday, really having no clue it was Super Bowl Sunday, and they had a giant sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) And several mayonnaise-based sides. Why don't more bars have snacks, Rosie? All bars should have some kind of snack. A bar with zero snacks is a very strange thing. And and, and it doesn't lead, I think, to the best optimal kind of drinking. You you need something there. The vomit is probably easier to clean up. (laughs) Well, that depends. I love Rudy's over on 9th Avenue. Oh, hot dogs. Hot hot dogs. But he also had um, the free boneless chicken dinner, which turned out to be a hard-boiled egg. (laughs) Right, right, right. But you were mentioning the Holiday Cocktail Lounge, which was a favorite of mine. Every underage drinker in New York. Drinker yeah. in New York, and, and the last time I and, and they didn't have snacks. You no. had to go to the pizzeria at the corner, get yourself a base of greasy neighborhood pizza. Then, if you're underage, get in there before the doorman got there, which I think Walter. Was it, Walter, <laughs> Walter. And I remember Stefan was in a really good mood in the in the mid early '90s. Jameson was a dollar, and you might get a little Ukrainian folk song. With right. your Jameson. Jameson was a dollar. I was, um, but that was only when he was in a good mood. When he was in a bad mood, you know, it maxed out still at like three bucks. It was a bargain. <laughs> well, the holiday um, had the weird prices. Like a gin and tonic was like three dollars and ten cents. Yeah, right. You know, and, you know, maybe a bloody mary was two ninety. Right. Back and, in the day, when it was figured out. Yeah, and they fluctuated. It depended <laughs> on how he was feeling. And my well, friend, it was linked to the Dow Bob, Jones Industrial, <laughs> I believe. <laughs> right. My friend Bobby had me convinced that Walter used to be an SS officer, <laughs> which made him he was frightening anyway. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, so, probably one of those moments when that whole Jews don't drink myth served me well. <laughs> in that case. So, what's what are the last good East Village dive bars left? And actually, we should talk about what what is a dive bar because people say. To me, oh, Manitoba's great dive bar. I was like, man, if you think that's a dive, I yeah, mean, I, mean, I agree. I mean, Manitoba's is like my living room. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the taxonomy has changed a little. What what I, I've always thought of it as a dive has gotten a little. Uh, the definition's gotten looser. Um, yeah. But you know, I mean, I, I guess Blue and Gold is still around and still pretty divey. Sly Fox. I mean, some of those. Sly Fox is pretty divey. Pretty divey. Um, you, got, you, you need your Ukrainians really to bring the dive. It's true; they're really, really good at that. Um, so some of those are still around, but it's not what it we used to be. We have very mixed feelings uh, here on the Mike and Judy Show about the passing of the Mars Bar. Um. Well, t- uh, you know what? Tell me. What, what? What? Why are your feelings mixed? Well, mine aren't mixed. I don't care. I <laughs> okay. Mars bar. Okay. But, but but for me, and, I, and I'm not one who gets too nostalgic about these things because we've had so many. People on the show, we talk about changing New York a lot, who are against change at any cost. Right. Um, which I'm not. The city always, right, right. always changes. That's changed. the nature of the okay. city. Um, but to me, the Mars Bar was sort of like the last great hole-in-the-wall punk rock 
bar. I mean, the last time I went in there, I was only in there maybe five minutes before a fight broke out. Oh, oh yeah, you, me you too. Know, me which, too. It's kind of a record because usually it's in the, in the two to three minutes. <laughs> exactly. So that, at that yeah. point, I knew you know the ball kind of rolled off the table. Yeah. And, uh, it was on its way out. But the Mars bar, you know, to me was just, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it was the last scary, really filthy, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry it's gone. I was never... Sport drinking kind of... Yeah, I, I also have to interject that Someone to Watch Over Me is my favorite song. Are you so sing I'm having a, I don't want to kill your audience. It would be bad. Our audience is a very hard group. <laughs> yeah. They you went know, through I, me singing. You know, I, I feel like uh, an early production of My Fair Lady when I was in summer camp kind of trained me in the Rex Harrison <laughs> school of singing. Which is just talk through it. You know, um, there's somebody I'm longing to see. That's as much as I'm going to sing. But tomorrow, <laughs> when do we get a few in us? Yeah, exactly. Jack, we need shots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I will say one thing. I'm not such a shots person. Me neither. You know, I, I like to enjoy my liquor, taste yeah. it. Um, but Mars Bar, uh, I was never a real regular. I liked knowing it was there. I liked stopping in two or three times a year if I was in the neighborhood. And it's true, the fights. I mean, unbelievable. The last time I was there. Um, this was pretty soon before it closed. It was in the afternoon. It was still light out outside, but there was like one light bulb illuminating <laughs> that whole place. One of the bathrooms at that point didn't even have a door on it, which made it very hard for the junkies scurrying in. They're like, ah! Um, and there were like three grizzled old punk dudes at the front end of the bar and one sort of normal looking guy midway through. Right, slumming. And uh, he delivered my favorite bar pickup line. Oh, God. Um, wait, wait, in the Mars bar? In the Mars bar. Yeah, yeah, in the Mars bar. It is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you, you, not, not the bar you go to for that kind of thing. But uh, but the jukebox cutout, uh, Sweet Emotion, was on oh. really, really loud. And then it just died. And I heard the old grizzled punk guys talking about dying at the end of the bar. You know what's fucking great about dying? No, what's great about dying? You see your whole life. What's great about that? You haven't done anything. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and then when the music died, the, the sort of normal looking guy kind of edges up to me and he says, you look like you're thinking real hard. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking about? Wow. wow. How and fast did your panties drop? <laughs> so, so Mickey, do you know I met my, I met my honey at the Mars bar? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, see? Uh, really? Romance and she's with you. So I the microphone over to uh, the, the lounge piano player there. This is, this is so romantic. 13 years ago, almost 13 years ago. Wait, did um, you meet there? No, oh, okay. but um, I had just pretty recently moved to New York, and uh, Ellie had you know, been here through the 90s, most of the 90s, and, and spent a lot of time in that bar. And um, we had escaped her... Uh, brother-in-law's birthday so the 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 riff was that you'll come pick me up because it's going to be a lame party because it's like a conservative kind of sister's uh then boyfriend now husband and two kids and live in the suburbs uh birthday party which she didn't want to hang out at because she was 25 and it was kind of lame so i met her there and we went to the mars bar drank all night made out in the mars bar and I went home with her, and I've been with her ever since. That is so, a beautiful story. Wow. As much as I agree with Mike, New York is always changing, and, and yeah. bars get torn down. That was one that was a little bit tough to see because oh, yeah. it's not—it's not even there anymore. It's, it's not, just no. some it's fucking ugly building. It was the kind of vibe that we that we really needed. It was like the last really who gives a fuck punk rock bar. Yeah. Well, the, the reason that I have a pro- I had a problem with it. I need a bathroom where I can pee. Yeah, if guys, I'm gonna drink, guys are not so good for that. 
I mean, Milano's, I thank God, every day is still around. Uh, Milano's right. is one, one of my favorites, It's too. such a great bar. It's definitely, things get, yeah, it's when yeah. the trouble starts, 2 a.m., yeah. and well, let's stop off for one more. Oh, it's so delightful yeah, there. Yeah, that's Milano's. It. It's, you boy, know, oh boy. it's like the friendliest bunch of weirdos you're going to meet. I really love it. You know, the classic rock jukebox, which, I, you know, I like the classic of rock course, jukebox. I, I gotta say, because, you know, I, I, I mean, I will never play a Bruce Springsteen record in my own, but in a bar, somehow it sounds okay. Absolutely. No, <laughs> I, I had a real moment in, in Milano's when uh, um, Thunder Road was playing. Thunder Road. That was a beautiful Thunder story. Road. Thank you. Thunder was... Road is the song that it does, I mean, it just sounds better coming out of a jukebox yeah. than it would ever, like, you know, anywhere else. He's so oh, good. Oh, my God. Oh, God, the screen door slams. <laughs> There's my singing again. Mary stress waves. <laughs> so, so it's okay, Rosie. The Mike and Judy like audience has made us pretty stern stuff. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> but yeah, I was talking to Rosie before. Like, her book doesn't really talk about her many successes. And the Milano story is really sweet because she's talking to someone she hasn't met in a long time. And she's, she's, she just passes off some little bit of career success she just had which was like well you know it's weird to write in a book about the book deal you got for that book that seemed a little too self-referential in some way for me but I you know I, I told my old friend who I ran into at the bar about that but but it's funny you say that because I mean for so much of the time while I was writing the book and certainly the person I am in the book um, you know, I don't think of it as this sort of, you know, remotely success story, rags to riches, well, obviously not that, um, kind of story. I mean, I'm a person who, who fucked up a lot but it's- and, and keep kept getting through that and moving on to a new place to kind of fuck up and learning something from every place where I fucked up. And, and, and that added up to something. But what do you do after you sign a book deal? What do you do, Judy? I go to a bar. <laughs> of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> every time. Absolutely. Every time. And get every, get around for the house. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you've done so many interesting things. You're a community organizer. You were a chaplain during like the aftermath of 9-11. Right. I was like, a Red Cross chaplain after 9-11. I know some people. And okay. a bar chaplain. I think maybe the only one <laughs> ever. Bar at the bar fish chaplain bar. at the fish bar. Yeah, thank you. Ooh, that pizza looks delicious. Jesus Christ has entered the building. Jesus Christ, does that smell good? <laughs> wow. Stinky cheese thank and you. not stinky cheese. Thank you, Jack. Those are some good-looking pizzas. Yes, they'll soak up all amounts of. So I'll tell you, why don't, we, why don't we dig into the pizza? Why don't we take okay. a quick break? Um, I got queued up one of my old bands, the Pleasure Fuckers, uh, located in Madrid. Uh, Spain, and we were a drinking band. Boy, we spent a lot of time I in bet. bars. <laughs> anyway, this is a um, cover of the old Gangrene song. This is Alcohol.
right, we're back in the Mike and Judy show with our very special guest, Rosie Schapp, author of Drinking with Men. And you know, Rosie, this is a quality book because you got a blurb from Jimmy Breslin. Yeah, yeah, not so bad. I, I was very, very honored to get a blurb from the great Jimmy Breslin. One of my, one of my heroes. I was um, an amazing journalist. I, I've met him. Man, that guy could, I mean, the best. I mean, the last of the great New York journalists to me. Um, I mean, that guy could find a story just falling out of bed. I was fortunate enough to, like, to meet him and talk to him at length covering one of Al Goldstein's uh, trials. One of Al's, Al's uh, you know, he's busy harassing a, one of his assistants. Mike, it really and... doesn't get more New York than that. <laughs> Al Goldstein, Jimmy nope. Breslin, and you. Well, yeah, That's fantastic. Right? Like, this is it's like real front page stuff, though, because he actually, you know, called in the story. Okay, on a on a payphone. Yeah. From like the from oh, like yeah. you know the Brooklyn yeah. courthouse. Oh, yeah. He got on the phone, he put quarters in the phone, yep. and someone answered the other oh, end yeah. of the phone and he said, Copy. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um he's he's not uh, this won't shock you, he's not an email internet kind of guy. <laughs> so getting the blurb was this interesting interesting series of, of negotiations where ultimately he his his wife, very famous Ronnie Eldridge, yeah, yeah. Um, she transcribed it by text and texted it to me. Because he's not going to text or email or any of that. But. We used to see um, him but drinking it was definitely while worth the trouble. At a bar on 44th Street. Um, I can't remember. An Irish bar up there. Uh, it was right by the way the Daily News is second half. Right, right, right. Street. You can see him and uh, Pete Hamill when he was sure, still drinking. Sure, Oh, yeah, that was a long time ago. And he's, he's written a pretty, uh, pretty strong drinking book himself. Pete's book is brilliant. Uh, drinking Life, I think, is, is a phenomenal memoir. And you know what I realized? I had read a lot of... Um, memoirs about bars and drinking um, but most of them were recovery stories and mine is not so it's a different kind of thing but you never ended up like I mean at least it's not in the book doing something really horrendously stupid I mean the closest I came was that chapter focusing on Grateful Dead tour when I was very 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 young (laughs) okay yeah the craziest thing you did was bring your mom yeah, that, that was kind of crazy, but I, I, I look back at that and I think, oh, how wonderfully naive, how open I was, uh, how, how how foolishly I thought that wouldn't be an this, issue at right, all. Right, because this was going to turn her around to understand what you yeah. saw in all this, and she, yeah. and she lasted, what, about 20 minutes, which in Grateful Dead parlance isn't even one song. Right. <laughs> it's about a half of a song. I love that image of her and her friend in their snazzy oh, outfit man. coming in from Westchester, going to the show. No, they were still in Manhattan oh, they at the were time. Still in Manhattan. Yeah, this was before we moved out to Connecticut. And, and when, I, when I read that chapter out loud, my, my shorthand to describe my mom and her friend, it's like, if you've ever seen Absolutely Fabulous, mm-hmm. imagine my mother as an American Eddie and her friend as an American Patsy <laughs> at a Grateful Dead concert. <laughs> and, and, and as I say, what freaked them out more than anything was just how dirty people were. Yeah. That was the part that really upset my mom. I got home. I, I, I slept in front of the garden that night. I was so afraid to go home. I was so afraid to find out what it upset her and when I finally got home she's like don't they ever shower don't you ever shower anymore well, what really upset me about yeah. the Grateful Dead was the rhythm guitar player boy does that guy suck well we're not going to get into that <laughs> whole thing now you know it's, it's interesting because I mean obviously there was this period in my life when I listened to them a lot and I traveled around and I don't regret a minute of that but I stopped listening to the music for a long time now I'm listening to it again that's what I really want to come back to because yeah. I, I um Went to a whole bunch of Grateful Dead concerts, and sure. they're just so inconsistent, which is really the problem with the Grateful Dead. You know, to me, they were, I mean, I was really stoned, really tripping, the acid was good, and you caught them on a good night, it was great. But there were some nights I just kind of wondered what I was doing. Yeah. At some point, 
And I also like a lot of like, blues and punk rock. And I yeah, wasn't like, yeah. you know, really drinking the, the Kool-Aid so much. It was just yeah. another thing that I liked. Right, right. I know a lot of Grateful Deadheads. It's the only thing that they like. Right. And that was never, that that always bored me too. There, Even when I was the most into it, I knew there was more And you know, that. 30 years later, I actually started coming back to, to it. And it's hard to find... The stuff that's just executed well because it is they're not always recorded that well. It's kind of you know it's kind of meandering. You yeah, know. But, but when it's right, it's right. Yeah, and and no one has a more lovingly maintained archive yeah. in the world. There was that incredible Nick Palmgarten story in the New Yorker about their archives. Um, so I came back around when I was writing about it. I was like, oh, I should listen to this again. And, and there are still songs I really love. There are some wonderful songs, but you know, it's like um, it's like professional wrestling, Judy McGuire. And it's <laughs> which is and Judy. I, I, is that a favorite of yours? <laughs> well, I say it's what Dostoevsky always says about faith, and it's, that is, if you get it, no explanation is necessary, and if you don't, no explanation will do. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you can't make converts at this late date. Evidence of things that. not seen and all of that. Sure, sure. Although I was never into them, the people in my school, in my high school, I was I was not a very popular child. I know that's hard to believe, but the Deadheads were like the most accepting of me. Yeah, and no, it was it was part of the program. Oh, yeah, don't let open. anybody into that club. Nice, thanks, Mike. <laughs> I was trying to have a warm and fuzzy moment. I, I was feeling it, Judy. <laughs> we were, we, we, we were in a Mohawk. We would have totally Judy. been friends. Yeah, this is right before the Mohawk. Yeah, this is when I was still living with my parents, so. But, you know, I, I feel like that was one thing that was kind of great in high school. And high school was a fairly miserable experience for me, too. I dropped out. Um, but all of the weirdos hung out. So a lot of my friends were super punk rock kids and deadhead kids and gothy, you know, kind of uh, poetry writing, shy, weird goth kids. And, and we all sort of banded together because we were all not like them. Right. Not like, not like the dominant sort of people at our school. <laughs> But then on tour, suddenly, you know, what Mike was suggesting, it's all deadheads, and that's when it started to get boring to me. Now, well, I didn't mean to suggest to you that somehow they let you the special child in, you know, <laughs> you know, you know like that, because it's like a DMV over there. It's but um, okay. But no, no, but it it's, a pretty, it's a pretty okay. embracing, Indeed. an audience It's embracing of freaks like us. Absolutely. One Thank thing, God. One thing I want to get to that in your book that it has always been, I am kind of self-conscious going to a bar and drinking by myself. Uh-huh. Why do you think women are that way? I mean, there are so many reasons, and and most of them make me sad. And I I feel lucky that I just never had that internal anxiety about it. Um, I think, you know, I I think there are so many received ideas about what it means to be a woman alone in a bar. Um, On the one hand, oh, you must have nowhere else to go. You're sad. Clearly, you're looking for a fast and easy hookup. Or that, or you're looking to hook up, or you're just looking to get free drinks. Um, Yeah, we've received a lot of really ugly images of of women going out drinking alone, and I think a lot of women internalize that really easily. Um, I never did, but in a way what that means, if if you're a woman who's just instantly comfortable in a bar, it means that you're assimilating with a bunch of guys. Right. If you're not there to hook up, if you're not there just because you've got nowhere else to go, if that's really where you want to be, and I really wanted to be in bars for a lot of my life, um, you're kind of joining this very male environment, which has wonderful things about it and also, you know, not so great things about it. Well, the first bar you talked about, well, the first two bars, really, um, they seem to be a lot older than you. You were in your mid-20s and they were like 40 and up. Yeah. And, I mean, did you get any, like, perved-on vibes? Very rarely. Very rarely. I mean, occasionally. But, no, I never felt really threatened in any way. I, I think I was kind of a curiosity at first. Right. I think because I was so clearly not giving off and I'm here to hook up with guys <laughs> twice my age vibe, I, I didn't get that. Um, and they were just like, why is this 24-year-old girl hanging out with us? What is, why, why are we remotely interesting to her? And then um, you had that pivotal moment where the guy's like, 
Rosie, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, get out while you're still alive, which was a really touching moment. One good bar buddy of mine at Puffy's in Tribeca, a bar that still exists, but very different from the Puffy's I knew in the 90s. Judy One, and I were just talking about this last night. We don't really have a regular bar anymore. I don't I don't have that bar where, you know, like I go to just because just put to pop to pop in my neighborhood's yeah. changed. What was a neighborhood bar sort of morphed into a sports bar. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I hate TVs and, and yeah. restaurants especially, but bars with these giant fucking flat screen TVs everywhere. Right. I'm not against, you know, going to the bar to watch a game. Sure. And I like the concept of a sports bar when it's apropos, sure. but not every bar needs a TV. In fact, I you know, agree. the guy, um, Ernie, who uh, ran uh, Rudy's, mm-hmm. um, and also the Holland Bar. Mm-hmm. Talk about a dive bar. Oh, yeah, good Talk, one, okay. sure. Boy, oh, boy, they used to give a, a crack. <laughs> that, was, that was the bar snack. They never offered the, it to me. <laughs> it was there on the wrong night, apparently. Um, well, that was, some, that was some kind of crazy bar, but he mm-hmm. had a rule that there was the only thing you could watch on TV in his bar was sports or the President of the United States mm-hmm. because it was the only thing that sold drinks. And if you were watching, you know, The Simpsons, which I see in a bar with the, you know, the tele, um, you know, the, for the hard of hearing, yeah. right? Everybody's watching it and no one's yeah. talking to each other. No one's buying drinks. It doesn't make any sense. He caught them watching The Young and the Restless one day and he ripped the TV <laughs> out of the out of the fucking wall and threw it right on the street. No, that is always weird when there's something other than sports or, or certainly if it's election night and people want to see. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the little bar where I work in, in the South slope we have a tv we never had and only sports um although of course we had it had it on for the election results um yeah, and, that and we don't choice. have the we don't have the volume on you know we have music on so you can watch and see the little yeah closed but captioning it isn't obtrusive so what is the big difference between being on the the serving side as opposed to the serve side like do you have more respect for your customers less do you uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot more responsibility on the yeah. working side of a bar. Um, you know, I, I, I can't I can't be drunk on that side of the bar, and I wouldn't want to be. I mean, for me, it's it's not so much about a difference in perspective in a bar. For me, it's it's a really amazing, I think, extremely healthy shift from writing, which, as you both oh, yeah. know, is a very lonely undertaking and a very sedentary undertaking. So. One shift a week for me, I have to be on my feet. I have to do work that's a lot more physical than writing and also, you know, a lot less thinky than writing, which is healthy for me. And you talk to other human and beings. Talk to, I was going to say, <laughs> my cat gets a little tired of hearing me reciting poetry, so it's good. I have to, like, brush my hair and go talk to people. Yeah, I, f- I feel sometimes like I've gone feral. Yeah, I recommend to other writers who are freelancers, get one bar shift a week. It's 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 a pretty healthy. Thing. I was a bartender just for a short while when I li- when I lived in Spain. Uh-huh. I was playing well with the pleasure fuckers, and um, I didn't speak Spanish that well at the time. I was just sort of um, getting up to speed, and I worked in a bar that was like crazy, crazy uh, crowded on weekends with rock and rollers called uh, Templo del Gato. Um, Cat Temple. Yeah, How about that? Yeah, right. And um, wow, that and the guy, semester that, of Spanish. And the followed around. It was super nice. <laughs> he needed a job. I was like, you know, the American guy. I didn't speak that well Spanish, but I was in a popular rock band. He gave me a job. And I mean, the most complicated I ever mixed uh, was a, a gin and tonic. I mean, there was no, it's not a cocktail culture. But right. A lot of beer. Right. Right. Tonico. Right. Um, I had to learn some Spanish because people kept ordering by name brand and brands that I didn't know. Yeah. It was a good way to learn Spanish, and I, sure. I, I loved it. I loved playing beers yeah. no, in the crowd of rock really and roll bar two nights a week. Yeah, no, it's great. I love it. Uh, and it just is such a, now, do you, a break. Do you mix cocktails? I do. I mean, the bar where I work is really a mom and pop neighborhood bar. We mostly are a beer bar. We have a lot of brown liquor, too. Beer and whiskey are the most popular things. So, uh, you know, we're not a cocktail bar. I love making cocktails. I have to write about cocktails, obviously. I enjoy drinking them. But normally when I'm making them, I'm making them at home for friends. I think the cocktail trend is wonderful. I mean, so many bad food trends that have come and go over the years, but I think 
the thoughtfulness that is going into cocktails and also, ooh, Williamsburg, artisanal, you know, bitters and stuff. But the truth is, it makes it better to me. If someone puts that much care yeah. into mixing yeah. something, it's like yeah, it's yeah. like anything else. Use quality ingredients, yeah. and the product is going to come out better. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes. Uh, uh, Sometimes what's missing is a really good palate. <laughs> it's one thing to mix up a bunch of wonderful ingredients. Right. Sometimes it still ends up tasting like cough syrup. Well, obviously. Um, so the bars that get it right in both ways, with great ingredients and someone who's really coming up with something truly delicious. Well, it's cooking. You know, yeah, you, you exactly. Know you know someone who knows yep. what the hell they're doing, but I've had so many really nice variations oh, of, yeah. of, of Manhattan, of a perfect oh, yeah, Manhattan lately. Oh, yeah, there's so and, many. And people like just... It's just so, so good, and I like it. I like yeah. um, brown liquor drinks. I think yeah. that rye became popular over the last few years. is a great trend. I agree. I love rye. I've been in, I've been drinking a lot of rye this winter. And back in the uh, 80s, I mean, I was just sort of you know in love with 1940s noir books and things. Uh-huh. And rye was the most popular drink it in America was, at right. the time, and the only place you get it was on um, Jim Beam made rye, an Old Overholt made rye, uh-huh. yeah, but it was a special order. It was a special yeah, yeah. drink. And Old Overholt is still a rye I really love. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. It's great. Yeah, I am all for the rye, the return of rye. I think that's a great thing. So um, as we transition into spring with such a beautiful day, what is like the Rosie Shap recommended welcome spring cocktail? Oh, to me, nothing says spring like gin. And uh, I mean, I love, I love, I, I, you know, there are certain gin-based cocktails that, that I really love. But to me, I, it's funny, I'm a little off the tonic. I, I know it's pretty popular in Europe and certainly very popular here. I just like a really good, really floral gin with lots of ice and lots of soda and maybe a little fresh lime juice. Mm-hmm. Super simple. To me, that's really springy and wonderful. Then we'll have to try that out. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it almost feels like well, spring let's today. Let's get to it. It's, it's been a very fast 30 minutes, even for the fastest 30 minutes on the internet. But before we go, Judy, you going to light I up our lives? I can't do it. you going to light up our lives? I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> Is that Jack, engineer of the stars, Inslee, <laughs> booing <laughs> Judy McGuire? Hey, that intern better not be booing in there either. No, that was me. <laughs> But I want to tell Mickey Finn, where can we find you? Where can we hear your dulcet tones? <laughs> dulcet tones. Mickey's going to be playing with the Left Bank at Joe's uh, Pub. Left Bank at Joe's Pub on June 6th, I believe. It's a Thursday night. Will sell out. So if you're a fan of Baroque Pop, the Left so Bank, great. Uh, me, good music, <laughs> uh, great club. Come Members down. of the Mars Bar. Yes. Hey, this, this is a class act, Rose. We got the, the keyboard player from the Left Bank. It's incredible. I, you know, I... Yeah, I, I want to go. You're, I have to try to get a ticket really Mike fast. Where can we find you, Rosie? Lounge. Well, you can find me online at rosieshap.com. Two A's. Two A's, thank you, the Dutch way. Um, you can find me once a month in the New York Times Magazine's drink column um, and on Twitter. And where else? Oh, and, and on Amazon.com. Thank Buy her you very much. Drinking with men. Drinking with men. Love it. Thank you so it's, much. It's this was great fun. Well, this Thanks for coming. That's all right. So for uh, Judy McGuire and Rosie Schapp and the world's greatest piano player, Mickey Finn, Jack Kinsley, Engineer of the Stars, I'm Mike Edison. We'll see you next week for St. Patrick's Day. More boozing here at Mike and Judy's Holiday Cocktail Lounge. See you guys. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.